What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Always Epic Podcast. I am your co-host, Charlene, along with... Jamie. Jamie. That's me. That's him. Um, Epic stands for equipping people in church. So we talk about God, the church, and all of life. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us this morning. And we're really um, excited to be back in the studio after having some time away, uh, trying to be safe and protect ourselves and um, protect our families. And so, but we're back. We're back in our studio. We are. And what a time to be back. I know. (laughs) So much has happened in the last several weeks so so much yeah but horrible stuff and at the same time i'm i really see this as a as a thing that's going to make make some change make some waves you can feel it yeah there's a lot of things stirring so we're excited um to kind of dive into our conversation today you know we've talked a little bit about this offline and so it's good. I think it's important for us to take this opportunity. You know, our podcast is all about talking about God. It's about life. It's about, you know, the church and the reality of our world. And right now, our world, you know, sin has always been a part of our world. Yeah. But man, is it prevalent and evident and it's just wide open. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of hurt, hurting communities and people who are um, just a lot of uncertainty in this particular time. So I guess to get caught up, we can kind of go bounce back and forth. But mm-hmm. there's a lot been happening last couple of weeks. Um, we're coming off of, well, I mean, literally there have been um, riots and protests happening. You know, a city across from us in downtown Raleigh. Um, I was there yesterday with a group of believers worshiping and praying and walking. But there are still protest- protesters out there. It's it's interesting, you know, it looks like a little mini war zone, boarded up buildings. It's just a strange, yeah, a strange time between people walking around with masks and gloves and hand sanitizers and buildings boarded up. You would think we're in a zombie apocalypse, like yeah. legit. Yeah. Um, and yet these are very real, very real times. And so, um, yeah, there's been a lot of, a lot of stirring the last couple of weeks. Uh, the killing of George Floyd and um, Breonna Taylor and um, Ahmaud Arbery. Like these names are really, uh, they're buzzwords, but they're they're people, right? They're no yeah. longer here. And yeah, it's, it's sparked outrage in a lot of, um, a lot of areas, particularly in the, in black and brown communities. But I've been really, I mean, I've been really encouraged to see some of my white brothers and sisters finally have these moments where they're like, this needs to stop. Yeah. Um, and I think folks in minority communities who have experienced violence and, you know, at the hands of, particularly at the hands of, of, of police, which is, is so strange. You know, these are the folks that we look to to be public servants. And there are many who are great, great public servants who, yeah. you know, signed up to, like, do the right thing. And yet um, there are some that are corrupt. And yeah. I think that that's true in any industry because people you know, we're still dealing with people's hearts and we're still dealing with the wickedness of sin and mm-hmm. um, and the fall of mankind. And like, so, uh, and that but is, yeah. Yeah, that is the, that is definitely the root of all this craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, and we definitely need to address that. But then at the mm-hmm. same time, we can't just ignore all the stuff that bubbles up from it yep. as well. Like yeah. we have to address that as well. Yeah. So I'm excited about today, just having an opportunity to have honest conversation because you know, Jamie, you're white, right? <laughs> I am. I am. Um, and I'm black. I'm very black, um, you know. Uh, and we, we've we talked about, we. I mean, we had begun really kind of prefacing this conversation a couple episodes ago, talking about, I think our very first episode. Our first episode, yeah, cultural yeah. diversity in yeah, the church. We, yeah, we were talking about that, particularly in the context of the church. But really, that's a bleed over into the world. Um, and here we are now kind of coming back in under... I'm going to say pressure because I know I feel pressure. Um, um, So, but yeah. Pressure like how? For me, I I think I I feel pressure to respond. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that. I think in light of everything that's happening. Like when I started, it's so many different layers for me, right? And I'm not even sure where to start. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I guess I'll start from where I'm sitting today in terms of pressure. There's a pressure for me to to feel like I have the right words and want to say the right things. And I realize that that's not necessarily, it's not necessarily true. Like I don't have to have a perfect answer. I don't have to have an answer at all. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have an explanation for what I feel or what I'm thinking. And yet I do feel like there are other people who are looking, are looking to me or asking me questions. Some of them are you know, very valid and concerning, particularly people who are white. You yeah. know, I've appreciated the coupling of, hey, I, I realize this is a crazy time. I love you, and how are you doing? Um, you know, uh, in that order. And I've had a number of people who have been really intentional um, about, uh, you know, reaching out to me. And e- every time, you know, there's a part of me that, again, wants to burst out in tears and just say, you know, I don't know how I feel right now. Um, am I angry? Yeah, sometimes. Am I, you know, outraged? Yeah, I would say a bit. This is a. But then also the part of me is, you know, sometimes feels indifferent because it's been happening for so long. Yeah. You know, just because we're riding now doesn't mean that, you know, this is it just bubbled up. No, this has been happening for a minute. Yeah. Um, you know, marginalized communities have been um, suffering for hundreds of years. <laughs> like our history yeah. is pretty dark. Yeah. Um, so here we are. And I'm still trying to find words to express where I am. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I feel like I'm on this whole journey of just trying of, of understanding the people who don't look like me and under, and and un, understanding how we got here. Mhm. Um I don't have uh I think what happened with Floyd I think the reason that that was kind of the catalyst was because that was the moment when I think it didn't matter if you were black or brown or white. When you saw that, you saw the injustice of it. And yeah. it, and there wasn't like a, well, but what happened leading up to that? Yeah. And yeah, but, yeah, but, and just all these things that sometimes happen. Yeah. Um. Uh, but you, nobody deserves to die. This is true. <laughs> and some of these stories that, yeah, but he was inside of a house that was under construction. So, yeah, like okay, but okay, and this is not Floyd. Um, yeah, but okay, but did he deserve to die? Yeah, you know. So it's like okay, you bring that up, but yeah, but so what? Like, yeah, he died. Like somebody died, and so I think anyway. So I think. Seeing this, it was like clearly this was police brutality. This was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it wasn't just um I think as a as a as a white person, like I I saw that more clearly right up front. Yeah, this is absolutely wrong. Oh wait, this is what my brothers and sisters have been talking about this whole time. And uh, I think, and I think whether people voice that or not, I think that's kind of why this thing has clicked so much. Mm-hmm. Not just with uh, the black and brown community and a handful of white people. Yeah. But literally with the world, like the whole world is kind of on fire. Agreed. And this kind of sparked it. Um. And I think we've been kind of, I think there's, I mean, I think we've been, we've been on the cusp of what's happening for a while. Like we, I mean, I think we have been preparing for this moment or walking toward it for a long time. And I think, you know, some of the other factors, even the pandemic and just the stress um, that's already, that's already been a part of, a, a part of minority communities. I mean, that, that tension, that pain, that, um, you know, discuss for the level of injustice that we've experienced. And these are public stories, right? So yeah. this doesn't account for the people who may have experienced very similar situations, you know, died at the hands of police brutality or any other kind of injustice um, that's directly linked to systems that we've created in our world, um, you know, that in particular benefit um, uh, people who are white and people who have access to power, et cetera. I mean, these things have been happening for a long time, and so there, there, there's these things that have been happening in communities that people don't even know about. So there's, there's that, and there's 
the the fear and the pain and just the insecurity um it's been bubbling for a while and i think what we're seeing with people you know and obviously i'm not i'm not advocating people looting etc but i understand yeah i understand why there's such a visceral reaction to what's happening yeah. i get it you know it's one of those like we feel like you've been powerless for so long when you only have control over you know it's almost like you have you've been you've been kept from being able to create you know in certain areas and so you know hey if i have the power to destroy i'm going to exercise whatever strength i have um and it's really interesting I, you know i was having a conversation and was a part of a uh, a call and and i you know there was another speaker that was there and i i loved his perspective you know he talked about the fact that you know when when target when people target uh minority communities particularly black communities they go for family they go for structure that's how you destroy that's how you destroy the black community you destroy yeah. families but then we talk about what does it look like to destroy uh people who are in power you destroy their structures you destroy their their ability to create economic um security yeah because a lot of the systems that we've created that have in, that have um basically um, oppressed people have been created because there was a desire to protect um, an ideology, to protect a way of life. Um, right. So when you see people burning buildings, you know, it's almost symbolic yeah. of them attacking structures. Um, not Still not advocating for it, but I can yeah. understand. I can understand mm -hmm. the rage. I can understand the frustration. Yeah. Um, and just the pure pain of seeing it happen over and over and over again yeah yeah you know that's the yeah i don't i don't i don't think violence is the answer i don't think i think violence creates more violence absolutely um i think uh protesting is a good thing and we need to do that um and so I'm not I'm not advocating going and burning up buildings and destroying yeah. small businesses and stuff like that. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. Um, and at the same time, I I do understand. And at the same time, we celebrate in our history. Uh, we celebrate um, the like the Boston Tea Party. We celebrate stuff like that, mm -hmm. and that was an open, active defiance. Mm -hmm. To the system that was creating barriers that was that was keeping us from moving ahead and keeping us yeah um uh sub uh subjected yeah and we celebrate that but then we look at this and we're like oh no they shouldn't be doing that well I mean I think well one I'm like you get put in perspective you know the voices that are controlling the narrative yeah that we're seeing um. Are not black people. <laughs> like you just keep it, keep it one hundred. Like there is still, even in the realm of what we're able to see and the way it's communicated, it's yeah. still coming from majority culture. Yeah. Um, we just have a, we have such a fascinating history, right? Yeah. If you think about America, like the I guess the the founding fathers came over here for life, liberty, the uh, you know the ability to pursue happiness and have the freedom to express their faith, and yet you know if you really look at it. I mean, uh, they also looted, right? Like our whole the whole land, like yeah. took stuff, killed stuff, killed people. It's amazing how uh, you know. For me, in a lot of ways, you know, we're just so hypocritical in our nature, and I don't think that's just America. I just think that that's human sinfulness. Yeah. I'm like, this is that idea. Like, I'm gonna do this, but it's not okay for you to do this. It's so ingrained in the sin of mankind. Um, yeah. Jesus was dealing with it. We still dealing with it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I, somebody asked me, where does my hope lie? Which is really a powerful question. And obviously my hope, li hope lies in God, but there's still moments in me that I'm like, man, until God like really changes people's hearts, I'm not sure they're ever going to change. And we can do protests all day, but I do. I think you, we need to have transformative work. I just I don't see what we're doing, and I guess some people would say, "Well, that's not very hopeful." Well, 
I don't see us making sustainable change in anything until people change. Yeah. I just, I, yeah. I don't, I, that's where I am yeah. in this conversation today. And that's, I think that's a biblical perspective as well. Because God's all about, uh, He is about culture and community, and mm-hmm. but He's also about the individual. Mm-hmm. So it's not like either or. Like, God works within our communities. He also works within us individually. Yeah. And it really does start with us, and that's why we get us and our house in order. Agreed. You know, and then we we continue, we continue spreading that. Um. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Like when you when we step back and look at history, uh, power has corrupted people from the very beginning. You're right. Even Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. they requ- they wanted power over their own lives. So they decided to eat from the fruit of this knowledge of good and evil because they wanted the power to decide. And which is a whole thing in free will and all that, but that's a whole nother topic. But, <laughs> whole nother topic. But so from the very beginning, so it's like we we point out people who use power in a corrupt way. And we should always do that. Absolutely. Um, and for the majority of our history, it's been white people. Um, but then when you start looking at everything, it's, well, we got over here, uh, when the, uh, I'm, I'm not a huge history, but, Mm -hmm. um, everywhere in the world, they were fighting for taking other people's land and property. Um, uh, first nations people, Mm -hmm. They they took other people's land as well. It's like this thing has always been happening. This whole power thing, mm-hmm. and that's not an excuse. Um, it's actually, uh, but it's, it's very sad. It's sad, yeah, and it's the reality of our human nature mm-hmm. that got us to this place. Um, we created this, mm-hmm. which means we can also undo it as well. Um, but it does take us individually to be able to start something yeah, and to be able to have conversations like this yeah, as small as this may be like it, that we can't look at stuff like that. Yeah. Like it can't be like, well, I'm going to wait until I have a bigger platform or something to say something like you just, you just yeah. can't. I think, like, you, know, you know, I had this reality yesterday. I was on, I was uh, having a conversation with some folks that I trust. You know, I, I think the idea that, you hit it on the head. We have to value every interaction that we have. You know what I have found in this season to be really refreshing for me. You know, as someone, you know, God has given me opportunities to have larger platforms. But I'm starting to shift my perspective. And I really give God praise for that because, you know, like you said, sometimes people are waiting. Well, I'm like, I'm going to wait until whatever. Well, the time to do the right thing is now, right? It's not when you have per- perfect circumstances because perfect circumstances are never going to exist. The time to do what you believe God is calling you to do is right now with the people that you've got in front of you. Yeah. And, you know, I'm challenging myself and would challenge other people um, to, to see every individual as a, their own, as a platform in and of themselves. Because the reality is if I have intelligent conversation with you as a white male, right, I communicate my heart. It, it, and, and within that conversation develops a level of empathy and understanding on both ends, right? Yeah. This is not to say that just because, I, because I'm black, I'm the expert on racial injustice. That's just not true. That would be untrue. Yeah. Do I feel, maybe maybe we have different reactions to that because you know, when I see um, a George uh, being killed, I, there is the immediate faces of my brothers who are black men, who I'm like, man, I'm, or my, my black male friends, so I'm extra precautious now. I'm like, dude, you know, don't, don't create anything. Don't, don't give, make sure you do what you need to do in order to protect yourself. But there is a natural like concern and fear for them. People have even asked me, you know, can I pray for like, how can I pray for you? I'm like, well, I think you should pray for my brothers because I'm more fearful of their experience. Uh, I am of my own in some areas, but I'm definitely more conscious of theirs. So, but I say all that to say, when it goes back to looking at individual platforms, let's say you and I having a conversation you know, I have to look at you not just as an individual, but I have to look at everyone that you're attached to, um, including your family, right? 
So if we can help someone to gain a level of understanding, we can gain understanding, you know, that could change the trajectory of our whole gener- our whole family. Every yeah. generation that comes beyond us yeah. may think differently as a result of that one yeah, intentional relationship. So yeah. I'm and challenging myself to be like, it doesn't matter if you have a thousand people in front of you. If you got one person in front of you, they may represent a thousand. Yeah. So we need to like maximize those. And I feel like God's been super gracious with me in that because I've been like, Lord, I've never had a season. Now, other things have happened, but I've never had a season where I've had more <laughs> legit white people text me and be like, how are you doing? And I'm like, those are the moments. Yeah. Those are the moments to have open conversation um, and to, you know, to help people understand better what's happening, to help people become better allies for communities that are hurting. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, that's that's a strong piece of encouragement that I would give people. I was like, yeah, I think we need to. And this is particularly to people who are people of color. Um, but also white people too. Like if you, if you, you know, if you have been walking alongside people of color and you, you know, you, you've been in a fight. Yeah. There's a sense of responsibility to be able to have those conversations in, um, in communities that you're a part of, because it's, it's likely that, um, your black and brown friends probably don't have access to the same level of community. So, um, this has been, it's just been interesting. You know, there's always, no matter where we are, what we look like, every single person I think has a responsibility in this season, especially if you're a believer. Yeah. You are not exempt from this conversation. Yeah. Like you cannot like, I don't care, black, brown, yellow, green, white. Yeah. You can't just be like, well, not my issue. Well, it is. Yeah. Because this is affecting um, people and that's God's heart. Yeah. God's heart is people. Um, And it still baffles me that people, can watch injustices and still somehow try to justify why those things are happening. It's yeah. just sad. Yeah. I'm like, it's just sad. Um, and I think a lot of times that happens because we fail to do the one thing that I think everyone should be consistently doing in this season, mm-hmm. which is checking our own doggone hearts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Really taking time to be like, where am I? What do I really believe about this? And being okay with recognizing that, one, you're subject to change, <laughs> right? You, you can change. You yeah. can think one day, yeah. one thing one day, next day you're like, man, that was wrong, God. Thank you yeah. for giving me revelation. Be okay with being wrong. Yeah. It's hard um, to do. Yeah, and you know, you may have been wrong for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true on both ends. This is not just the, hey, this is my, uh, you know, my tips for white people. No, this is my <laughs> tips for all people. Yeah. And particularly people um, who are of the faith. Like, we got to keep checking our hearts. Yeah, for Man, sure. because the, you know, <laughs> a lot of these issues the Bible talks about, they stem from our heart, our heart like a sickness of our heart, which yeah. is that sin that sits there. And um, obviously it's manifesting in the world in a way. And, I, you know, quite frankly, even though this sucks, you know, I still have not been able to bring myself to watch someone get killed. I can't do it. Yeah. Like, I, I get to the video, I'm like, I cannot do that. And I realize that, uh, you know, people aren't sharing those videos because they want to, um, you know, watch someone die. They're sharing those videos because they want to let other people know that people are being killed. Yeah. And we're all kind of stomaching that um, for the sake of, helping people understand the gravity of what we're dealing with. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot. It is a lot. And I, and I think it being a lot is what makes it so complicated sometimes. Yeah. And what makes it so hard for um, me as a white person to, to understand truly, like, what is going on and what, whenever you say certain things, like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it and I don't understand it. And that's Mm. not the way that I see things. And so it can't be true like that or not as true as you think it is, you know? And so for a long time, there was things we'd have conversations and, you know, I'm sitting and I'm listening, knowing that in my head, I'm like, I don't understand that, (laughs) but I don't know how to ask that, how to Mm. ask without sounding ignorant or like, or afraid that like, well, you should just understand like, or I felt like it's, well, it's my fault, but it's not my fault. It's not me. So there's a whole bunch of just things. And, yeah. um, it's a, it is. So, and I think that's one of the, one of the linchpins for me for 
kind of understanding and, and grasping some of this, um, and and some of the uh, some of what uh, some of the phrases and stuff that are said that I'm like, I just don't understand. I don't understand what white fragility is. I don't understand what uh, systemic. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand what, uh, uh, systemic racism is, you know, and all this stuff. It's, it's like, I, it, there was, we should, we should have a whole episode where we just talk about those things. Cause yeah. it might be, if you're a white person admitting that Jamie, I know there are tons of white people who would not say anything, but they have no clue. Yeah, they don't. And if they do, Understand if they do know the def the definition, mm-hmm. uh, they don't agree with it or completely understand it. Because once I understood the um, for me the linchpin was the um, uh, 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 systemic racism. Yes. Or systemic, not systematic. I can't remember which. <laughs> systemic, yeah. So. So coupled with so systemic racism coupled with. Um. This, I don't, this is not really a tangent. This is just how I got to mm-hmm. uh, just kind of take you on a journey real quick. Let's go. All right, you I'm ready? I'm settling into my chair. Let's go. <laughs> In three, <laughs> two, one. Blast off. <laughs> so um, I had this uh, understanding that, you know, have you ever heard of people talk about uh, um, generational curses and yes. stuff like that? Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, as a as a new Christian, you're taught you hear about generational curses, and you, you you almost feel like there's like this little demon that just kind of hops around in your <laughs> in your family. You know, like and I think in the beginning of my walk with God, and I understand there's a spiritual world out there, and who Absolutely. knows, maybe this is part of it. Maybe there are like just spiritual forces that follow people along and attach themselves to certain behaviors and things like that. That kind of like Absolutely. like key into those certain things. Um. But when you look at it, if that, that is the truth, if that is the truth, if you just look at it at that, then you have no, you kind of push responsibility of that off onto this spiritual being. Like, mm. that is the thing that's causing it. So what am I supposed to do? Rebuke it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's not my fault. Yeah, I understand. That I am this way. So, um, but I think generational curses have more to do with our upbringing and more to do with our surrounding culture and what our culture teaches us uh, unknowingly. Um, it's those things that we never deal with, that we do. The sins of the father are passed on to their sons. And they, I mean, that's not, I mean, that's sins of the mother are passed on to their daughters and everybody passes on. <laughs> if we don't deal with this stuff in our hearts, we just continue passing that along from generation right. to generation to generation. And it becomes embedded into who we are as a right. culture and as, as a people. To the point where it is who we are. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a right or wrong thing. It's just this is this is who we are. Yeah. Which is kind of the the idea of this is where we're at in our society now. We got here because of past laws. We got here because of past uh, thoughts, past cultures, past our families, what they passed along, whether we agreed with them or not. It it's still a part of us. For generations, actually, to be honest, from the be- almost from the beginning of time, mm-hmm. stuff like this has been an issue. Mm-hmm. Slavery was accepted. Mm-hmm. Segregation was the norm. Like, that's just what you did. It wasn't until recently that all this stuff in the history of mankind, that, that this stuff has started to disappear out of our culture and it's not gone it's not by any means slavery is still a real thing mm-hmm. um segregation uh maybe it's not legal but it's still in our hearts yes it is and so that and and looking at the definition of and i don't have the definition in front of it, probably should have but the of systemic racism and what laws, what our past laws has built in to a culture, to the, uh, pretty much every culture except for the white community. Um, but it's even affected us as well. Um, that the systemic piece of that has defined who we are today. 
And just because we don't have a law that makes it okay for segregation to be, to, for a black person to go drink from that water fountain and a white person has to drink from that water fountain or use that bathroom, that doesn't mean that it's not still in our hearts. Agreed. And uh, my, my parents grew up when segregation was a legal thing. Hmm. So we are not far removed at all from this. Absolutely. So, and we're not at, at all. So, like, I was raised by parents who grew up a, part, a portion of their life in a segregated world, legally segregated. segregated. So, of course, that will define mm. who they are. And, of course, other, everybody who grew up in that defines who they are. Well, we are just recently out of all this stuff, but that doesn't mean that it's out of our culture. Because it's not a law does not mean that it still doesn't have residual effects. Absolutely. And, and I think once I started to understand that, because I always look like, well, yeah, but segregation is not legal anymore. But that may be a fact, but that's not, doesn't that's mean not true in our hearts. Yeah, absolutely. And so just like generational curses stuff is passed down from generation to generation, I think the, long, the farther we get away from all this and the more we talk about it, the better things will become. We'll never get rid of racism. We'll, ne- we'll never get rid of the sin that's in our heart that causes us to, to do all this stuff on a, on a uh, everybody all at once type of thing. You know, as individuals, we can begin to work on it. Yeah. Um, and I still think you can't do that apart from God. No, you can't. And that's, yeah, that's the... <laughs> that That's... You, that's the... Yeah, you can't at yeah. all. Um, but I think it was... For me, that was kind of the, the linchpin that maybe it's not... Okay, I start, I'm starting to understand a, a lot of this now because it's not because of maybe because of some current laws, but it's because of, uh, it's because of past laws that got us here and, and got, uh, the black and brown community where they're at now, Mm -hmm. uh, which causes them to cycle into certain avenues in their life. Uh, and, uh, and begins to, it's, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, it's, it's, it's like the whole, the whole, uh, redlining and where, you know, it's, uh, this is a black community and this is a white community. Mm-hmm. And even in, even after, uh, segregation was abolished, you still had, uh, HOAs that were like, no black people can live in this neighborhood. There's still current HOAs, like policy in the bylaws. Really? Those things still exist. See, it that's crazy. Fascinating. Yeah. And um, whether it's, they know what's in there or not, I don't know how they not know what's in there, but. I remember being shown a house and being like, I don't know if you want to live in this neighborhood. I'm like, why? Mm. Well, and it, you know, really nice neighborhood, two-story homes. I mean, it's like neighborhoods you see now, and they're like, yeah, it's just there's, I, I just don't know if you want to live in this neighborhood. And I'm like, okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's, I mean, it's interesting. So, I mean, going back to the, the systemic racism, yeah. um, institutionalized racism, I mean, there is a formal definition of what it is. Um, But basically, it's racism that's, you know, expressed, you know, in the practice. It says expressed in the practice of social and political institutions. So, you know, there's racism one-to-one. There's, like, individual, like, I have a bias or prejudice. I'm I'm, I'm racist towards someone else. But when that transfers into the way that we create systems and policies, our educational system, our judicial system, when those things start to mirror those Im- those implicit and explicit biases that we hold as individuals, yeah. that becomes a problem. Yeah. Because now it's not just a, I don't like this person. It's like, I'm going to create a whole system that's designed to perpetuate an ideology that I hold as an individual. Yeah. And so, and th- they're unavoidable. It's not like you can say, well, as an individual, it's like, well, if you don't like me, I'm just, gonna, maybe we just don't, we're not going to be friends. But I can't say that I'm not going to go to school. I'm not, I'm not going to yeah. participate in systems that I need to survive. Yeah. Housing, all those. I, I, need, I need to be, I have to be a part of those systems. So when they have 
um, racism that is attached to them when they have, and just call it what it is, when there are these biases that people have, they've placed, they've built, essentially built those structures, again, to reflect an ideology that oppresses other people. There's yeah. no two ways about that. And people can say, well, you know, were they aware of it or unaware of it? I think some, I mean, I think there's definitely a level of awareness, like, yes, we're doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't be, think people can, oh. Well, I was going to say, and because it was, it, it was a part of their, their ideology. It was a part of how they grew up. It was a part of their thought on, on the world. Yeah. And whether or not people understood the ramifications of it. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you build something you're like, this is going to be great for me and for my family, not realizing the long-term effect of what you're doing yeah. is going to hurt so many more people than it helps. Um, so now people are becoming to an awareness. So this is the time to respond, right? It'd be one thing if you're like, oh, we just didn't know. We didn't know that by doing these things, this is what we were advocating for. Yeah. Okay. That's that. I, you know, I'll give you that. But now that you know that these things exist, but continue to build these structures, these systems in a way that it continues in the path that we've been going, which is unhealthy um, and sinful, that's a problem, yeah. right? I think in this time, it's like, okay, we need to address what's actually happening and recognize that, like you said, we have the power to change things, but I don't think we're going to change things, one, without God being involved, and two... Right without there being just a very real recognition of what's happening. Yeah. The longer we spend, we, in my opinion, waste time trying to justify what's happening or kind of figure out this, I'm like, and not call it what it is, you know, in the body of Christ, call sin what it is. When we see somebody fornicating or doing some other adultery, we call it what it is and yeah. we give that person, we help that person uh, make restitution, get reconciled to God, get reconciled to the people, and we move forward. Yeah. And yet this issue is one of those issues like people want to hang out in the parking lot and talk about it and not really talk about it instead of just saying, okay, we see this as an issue and address it. I am more encouraged now because I feel like I'm seeing more, particularly, um, you know, particularly my white brothers and sisters saying, we need to call this what it is and we need to start dealing with it, which for me is super encouraging because I feel like black people, we've been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. And not that we necessarily need white people to get on the bandwagon, but we kind of do because it's white I, people who've created right. or people who are in majority culture who've created these systems yeah. that have been so destructive um, in so many ways. I absolutely think that we need to get on board with it. Yeah. I mean, and, and you look at it, we've got, we have people in leadership that are dictating the future of our, uh, of our country and our world that grew up in a segregated society. Yep. So whether their politics say that they don't agree with some of that stuff, like it's it's still in their heart if they've never dealt with it. That's true. And we got to where we're at today because of everything that happened in the past and we're dealing with this stuff as a residual mm -hmm. effect of all those things. And it's the residual effect thing that I don't I think I was missing in in my conversations because my one of my first experiences with this was when I was working with uh, a few guys and um, one of them called me racist just because and I was like what what have what have I done like what did I do and <laughs> was it just because you're white <laughs> yeah it was just because I was white and this was like 15 plus years ago mm. so this was I, I still it had been talked about but never it just it did it, at that point, it didn't make sense because it wasn't in my, I, it didn't affect me mm -hmm. uh, like it affected him. Mm. And I, so I didn't understand it, but that was my first kind of introduction to it all. Um, but I think when I finally understood that, okay, there are some laws that are still racist, that are racist, but a majority of the big laws have been abolished. But that doesn't matter because we're still dealing with the effects of what slavery and what segregation and redlining and all those different policies and stuff have have caused us, has, has brought, it's brought us here. So we're still dealing with those residual effects. And that's the thing that for me, once I started seeing that, then I started seeing... It, everything else started to make sense. 
most everything else was beginning to make sense. Even the uh, the frustration and the the rioting that's happening now, that makes more sense to me. I may not agree with it, but that makes more sense to me. But For that's sure. how, as a society, we've chosen to handle our issues. Yeah. And and to be truthful, uh, the black community has tried doing other peaceful things, uh, but it's like, well, we said, no, don't do that. Don't kneel. Don't do this. Don't do that. And then, but now we're at a point. It's like, so what else do you do? And and I'm and I talked to some of uh, uh, some of my white friends and family, and I'm like, okay, what happens if our government becomes a tyrannical government and is now oppressing us, all the people? What would you do? This is so fascinating. Let's take the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we had a glimpse of this with COVID nineteen. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, you have you have white people, <laughs> free NC, free this, free this, and they are literally people who are white. Which is my experience. Who are saying this is just like racism, or this is just like uh, slavery? It was a word. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I never the heard fact that, that your government yeah. is encouraging you to stay home to save your own life and the lives of other people. Yeah. I'm like, it's it like, so we've already seen a glimpse of it this year. This is like uh, four weeks ago, yeah. right? People protesting literally. We need to get back. We want to get back to work. We want to, you're taking away our rights, being outright, like not, uh, you know, protesting and, yeah, yeah, declaring what they believe is their, their God given right. And yeah. yet, when other people do it who are not white, then yeah. it becomes, but you know, and there's a natural fear factor too. The reality is when certain groups of people see a group of black men or a group of black females, a group of black people together, there's already, because of implicit bias, what is an implicit bias? It's a bias that you have that you're not conscious of. Yeah. So, you know, if you walk, you're walking past a black man, you clench your purse, Yeah. you might not even be conscious of it. Or you might be like, I'm going to lock my door. I'm going to roll my windows up. I'm going to yeah. drive a little bit faster. Um, we all have those. I mean, I, I'm, admittedly, I have those too. Like I, if I'm, if a cop is rolling behind me, I get over. I get out of the way. I like yeah. to make sure that I am far from that because the idea of being pulled over for me, it sparks fear in my heart. Admittedly, yeah. I'd love to say that I feel like I'm like, but I have no idea who that person is and what their intentions are. And I think that's very real for many people, particularly in the black community. But yeah. I've had that for a long time. The anxiety that I feel, is uh, it's unreal. Yeah. And I know Jesus. Yeah. Right? So those yeah. moments of like, take thoughts captive, like it's, it's, it literally, you know, no pun intended, arrest you. Like the way you yeah. feel, you're like, ah, oh, man. Um, so, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We all have those, we already have those things. So, I mean, I know we're beginning this conversation, but I'm like, it's so much to unpack here. I know, and that's, and that's why, like, I haven't, I haven't said anything on social media. I don't post a lot anyway anymore. I just, I just don't. And, and at the same time, I, I kind of feel this pressure. I'm like, I should probably say something. Like, but it's you're saying it's something so, now. Which is I know, great. I know, and that's why I'm like, I was like, I'm. I, this is the platform to say it because I can actually talk and I it's just, it's so hard to condense all this into one statement that will inspire somebody whether it's through uh they're inspired because they are uh like yes they're like finally somebody's saying something or they're inspired because all of a sudden they're super uncomfortable because of it and they're like wait a minute am i am i thinking that way or whatever but and i think it's okay to i mean you know what none of us have the right answer right so for the record we maybe we should have gave this disclaimer at the beginning <laughs> our goal here is not to try to become experts on all of all of injustice you know yeah. we want to be able to communicate where we are and i think you know what i'm i'm going to declare that's okay it's okay for us to be in the process of learning I'd much rather be postured in a learning, be in a learning posture than to assume I, I know what all black people feel. Yeah. Or for you to be like, I just I know what all white people feel. That's just not true. Yeah. It's too um, complicated for that. Yeah. And to simplify it like yeah. that is where we have issues. Absolutely. It's where we begin to 
we're gonna it's it's that whole implicit bias thing it's like mm-hmm. well there's a black person walking down the street so they must be a gangster and they're gonna try to rob me because yeah. they shouldn't be in this part of town because i don't see a lot of them around here yeah you know or there's a police officer there like i'm pretty sure i'm about to get beat yeah because i'm black i'm black and he's white and he's a cop and he has more power than me you're right and 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 it's like once we start to like just broad stroke everybody that's when we we start we, having problems we start having issues yeah and um, granted i mean and it's not to say that those things aren't realities because they are yeah and so you know those biases are they're they're usually steeped in something that has a bit of truth to them yeah maybe shouldn't be generalized across the board yeah. um but yeah I, so uh, yeah it makes it it makes it challenging all yeah. that to say i just i just i feel like one i feel like we should continue having conversations um, yeah you know and and i think it's important to invite new people to the table you know people you haven't had conversations with that would be if i had to give any kind of practical tips yeah. for what to do in this season um black and white but particularly for my white brothers and sisters who are like what do i do <laughs> yeah. um which i think is a valid question um is to continue to one check your heart um but then also like inc- have real conversations with people yeah I would tell I would tell you stop scrolling for a little while, right? And if you know some per, a person of color, go talk to them, and don't just talk to the one friend you have. Yeah. Go develop new relationships with other people. This is what we talked about in our very first episode. Yeah, um, we referenced that, y'all. If you hadn't heard the first episode, go back and listen to that one. <laughs> we just talked about the importance of that, and um, because I I don't think you can do that enough. Yeah, and I think that's when, you know, yeah, the issues that are happening on the news. You know, they are affecting different people differently, you know. Um, and I, I recognize there are some people who are not, who maybe feel a little distant. They're like, I don't know that gentleman. I don't know those guys have been killed. I don't know that young lady who was killed. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe, you know, maybe feel even a little detached to the conversation. But you do know people um, in communities that look like them that may be, that may be affected. Um, even people who don't necessarily look like them but may be affected. And I think those are where we can have... Um, you know, more, more, more impact in people's lives. Yeah. So like you said, this issue of racism is big. It's not just a one-to-one. It is something that's ingrained in the fabric of our culture and we have to unravel it and literally rebuild. Um, And there's a quote that I just wanted to share as you were talking about generational curses that makes me, I love this quote. It's what you don't transform, you transfer. Mm, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's I've heard some form of that. Yeah, and that's I, really good. You know, as individuals, as believers, I'm in pursuit of that in my own personal walk with God. Yeah. I'm like, Lord, I got some yucky stuff in my heart, Lord, that you and I know is bad. It needs to be. And if I, if you don't work with me to transform it, I am probably going to transfer to that to my kids. Yeah. Um, and some people, you know, here's my philosophy on faith, right? Just because you don't believe the Bible doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> you just don't believe it. Yeah. So just because you don't believe in the spiritual realm does not mean it's not affecting you. Right. Um, I think we would be foolish to think that. Um, and so just because you don't believe racism is a thing doesn't mean it's not a thing because it is. Yeah. Um, and I think coming to terms with that is so, so important. It's yeah. just important. Um, yeah. And, it, and this is a, um, it's not a, you talk about having conversations with one-on-one with people. It's not just a one conversation Right. Uh, with that person, it's multiple conversations. Right. I was listening. Um, I think it was uh, it was TD Jakes had a conversation with Carl Lentz. I don't oh. know if you've seen that video I lately. Like, I just feel like that's a lot of a lot of fire in that conversation. Man. <laughs> Carl Lentz and TD Jakes. That's yeah, awesome. and then and then they're talking about this stuff. Mm. It, it's it's been really really good. Um, I'm almost finished with it. it's like an hour and a half or something. Oh wow! Uh, but as recent as like a few days ago that they, they posted it. Um. But he's, he was saying, he, uh, T.D. Jakes was saying, he's like, he's like uh, talking to white people. It's like, we, black people, we want to be involved in your life. Not just, uh, like, and I'm paraphrasing, not just a totem, not just somebody just standing up on stage and not just a one time, but like, we want to share our thoughts with you. We want to mm-hmm. share our, uh, our deep thoughts with you. We want to share our emotions with you. We want to cry with you and things. And, uh, you can't get that with just one conversation nope. about race and you can't get to an understanding of what people are going through and have empathy for them. Even if you don't understand it, even if you don't see it by just having one conversation 
or just by listening to certain talking points or just by seeing what the media is telling Absolutely. you or just by seeing what your parents are telling you or the occasional posts on Instagram. Yeah. 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 You have to be in real community. Yeah. And, and that, that's something that I like, even on the ride over here, I was like, I don't know if I'm doing that. Hmm. Like I'm having conversations with people, but I'm already like, it's hard. Like I have issues. Uh, I have issues <laughs> <laughs> for the record. Yeah. But like, it's, do. it's hard. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from, but it's hard for me to make friends like deep friends. I think it's like, a, I don't know if it's a fear of rejection or what, I don't know. But, um, yeah, but having that take deep, that to the Lord. Yeah. Pastor I, Jamie. I definitely am. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody else is listening. Here we go. If you okay. hear this, you don't need to come up and try to give me a hug and try to be my friend. Like, that's not going to work. <laughs> like, Send him an email. Yeah. Send him an email. No, but, and so anyway, so that was one of the things I was like, man, I don't, I, you know, I always have these thoughts of, yeah, I want to do this. I want to invite this person over. I want to, um, on, on purpose, uh, have people of color over to my house um, uh, for my kids' sake, mm-hmm. to pass that along, for my sake, for humanity's sake. Um, but to be able to pass that stuff along. And that's one of the things for me that I feel like I need to do a better job of. Mm. And, um, yeah, cause it's like, you know, it's like we, we go to Burger King and one of my kids asked like, why is it always brown people that work at Burger King? Seriously, that's such a great, yeah. You, you got a conversation so, started. Yeah. So it's like. And part of me knows what to say, but part of me is like, that's a great question and a very deep question. And I'm not even sure how to answer that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, but anyway, so I go off on a tangent. But anyway, so that's, um, that's one of the things I need to be working on as far as what kind of solution that I have other than just talking. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, that's a huge step because I'm not in, um, I'm not a politician. I don't make laws, but we are people. Right. And and you're a pastor, you yeah. Shepherd people, yeah. So that's important. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't downplaying it. Um, no, but I'm uh, like, but it, I'm revving it up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And as a pastor, like we we, I I believe that all of our all of our laws are um, in our country for the most part. Uh, they're built around what we accept. Mm-hmm. When we don't accept something, it doesn't get passed. Like, maybe some things will, but for the majority, the big things that like point us in a direction, mm-hmm. um, I think we have that power. Yeah. As an individual, um, and the laws that we have were because of our hearts. Yeah. As individuals, we allowed that stuff to happen. The church allowed slavery to happen. Yeah. Um, individuals, we allowed this yeah. stuff to happen. And I think it's worth mentioning too, because I feel like when people hear that, you know, um, you know, I don't want to. I, I think it's important to recognize that there are faces attached to those decisions. Is it all, all white people? Probably, you know, maybe not. But is it majority culture? Yes. And I think addressing that and being very realistic around that is is important. I think it's important, even for me, to recognize. Yes, there are people. Um, and to grapple with that, you know, and I'm sure we can pick that up, a conversation up at, a, at, a, at another time, because I want to continue to talk about that. But I think it's important. Yeah, these laws that we've created. Yeah, they were created to favor certain populations of people. I just yeah. I think that that needs to be understood. Yeah, I think there are people, even people of color who don't understand that yeah. um, we sense we, you know, and I'll tell you like two quick stories. Um and one of them is going to lead into a resource that I just I think it will be helpful that I have found to be helpful. Um, so, yeah, to this well to this point, I'll just kind of say this. Um, yeah, there's a lot of education that needs to happen, and you know one of the one of the best resources that I have come across um, for learning for me, you know, again, just because I'm African American doesn't mean, and I can feel the disparities. I can feel. The fear I can I have the I, you know I have some context for that I didn't always have the language to understand or express what I was feeling, and I remember going to a training. Um, this it was by a group called Organized Against Racism, and for those folks who are interested, it's oaralliance.org. But it was a two-day conversation around racism in America, and it was designed to give history. It's designed to give history. It is not. They tell you the first. It is not designed to cure racism. 
It is just to help you understand how we got to where we are. Yeah. And it wasn't until I went through a very intentional study and realized, wow, that there, there are things that are like in our history and our culture that are very real. It's history, right? It's not, yeah. it's not really an opinion. Like, oh, I, I don't believe that. I mean, but it happened. So I'm like, it's not like, it's not yeah. really something you can argue with. It's actual history. Yeah. Um, but I think after coming out of that experience, it helped me to gain a different lens. One, it gave me the confidence to be able to express what I was feeling without feeling like I was the only one or that, that I was being unrealistic. Right. Like all these, these fears that you have, they're, they're not really founded on anything. No, but they are, you know, they are, they're very real. So there's, you know, there's that piece. And I would encourage people to continue to, to, to learn and to grow and to be in pursuit. And you said something too, which I really appreciate. It's like, yeah, you know, you have moments where you don't, you don't, don't know what to say or, um, and I think one of the best questions that we can ask is help me understand. Yeah. I think it's one of the best ways to lead into a very healthy conversation. Help me understand and then fill in the blank. And as much as people have the capacity to help you understand, then I think that they will. Um, I trust, I hope that they will anyways. I know that I'm endeavoring to be someone who asks that question, but also is ready to give an answer when someone asks me, help me understand what you're feeling in this moment. Yeah. Because I think sometimes people um, just avoid that. Yeah. And final story, I just think, you know, talking about living community, <laughs> you know, you want to have more black people um, come over to your house, which I'm like, Come on, I'm your co-host, man. Yeah, I should you gotta be come one of over. the first people to get an invitation. I know. Well, um, we live so far away. Usually, people are like, "Oh yeah, that's nice." It's I'm like, still coming. Yeah, uh, yeah. You should definitely Anyways, do it. I should definitely. You are invited <laughs> to my house. You just said that on. You just said that on. I did. Yes, yeah, so you're gonna have to show up. <laughs> okay. Oh, I have to show up. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, it's so funny because I've, you know, I've joked about this before that I have two white female housemates. Yeah. And man, the conversation in this season has been so interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, a couple of days ago, I kind of came to a head and I realized I was having a lot of internal conflict, which is spilling over. You can't have internal conflict without that affecting your external. Yeah. And I was like, I think that some of my challenges is because I'm black and I'm in a community. Not not my rate. My my roommates are not. I would not be like my roommates are racist. No, they just are different yeah. from me. And, you know, we have this kind of policy in our community, which I appreciate. It's like we want people to be their authentic selves. We talk about that a lot. And I realized in a conversation with the two of them that I was like, y'all, I think I'm being my authentic self up until the point of my skin color. And then I'm not quite my authentic self. I still feel like that part of me, like I'll, I'll let you, I, I'll ask for prayer. I'll do those things. But when it comes to talking about what it feels like to be black yeah. to two white females or even some of the things that I'm like, you know, why do I have a, why when, when she says this, I feel one way. Well, when my other black friend says the same thing, I'm like, mm, I feel different. Yeah. Some people would say, well, you're not being authentic. Well, I've had, part of this is survival. It's like yeah. a part of the resilience that I've built up in a world that's made, you know, that has, has a very specific outlook on the way that I look as a black female. So, but you know, I will say this, um, in a healthy note and, kind of end on this is like, you know what? I've been appreciating the fact that even in my immediate household community, I've seen God do some really transformative work in our hearts by opening up the opportunity to have conversation. It sucks that we had to have these things happen for me to sit on the floor with my housemates and have a real heart to heart. But I'm thankful that that finally happened because it gave space for me to communicate where I was um, and for them to develop a level of uh, empathy for me but it also helped me understand where they were. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm like, yeah, and helped me gain some perspective on that some of the trepidation they have around having these conversations. And I really feel like ever since then, it's kind of created set the stage for God to do more work. Yeah. Um, and so I would encourage everybody. I'm like, I'm not saying go ahead and move in with white people, but dang. When I, when I, when this came about, you know, I don't think when I first, you know, made that decision, I was thinking about it, but who, nothing that happens in 2020 has happened in 2020. We've really prepared for So yeah, I was like, no. well, maybe it's just God's providence that I was here in this season um, and yeah. needed to be here for my own growth and for theirs. So, but this is good. It's hard. Yeah. Like I say, it's hard, but it's healthy. Yeah. I think it is healthy. Um, just like working out, exercising, it's all it's all hard. It's hard to break habits, old mm-hmm. habits. 
it's hard to break old train of thoughts, but you know, when you start working out, that's what you got to do because you don't want to get up and do anything. Like that's how you got where you're at. You didn't do anything. <laughs> Nothing at all. No. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think like it, so yeah, just for me to kind of close out as well. Um, and this is always a weird statement for me to be honest, but, uh, to all my white brothers and sisters, like that's just a weird, like we don't say that. At, yeah. We don't. But you mo- should, as a white male, you should. Yeah, I know. Just so I can say who I'm talking to, but at, for us as a culture, like we don't walk around saying my white brothers and sisters because that has a lot of weird connotation with it. That's like <laughs> when you say that, it's more like KKK type stuff. <laughs> Understood. Like, and uh, it's probably not. That hasn't been, always been the history, but. Uh, I think this is how we grew up. We just, I never really, <clears throat> never really thought of other white people as my community. Like that just, that's not that's my. so fascinating. We that, so need to pick that up next week because it's yeah. so different in black communities. Yeah, maybe we should because, yeah, because that is like, and, and Pastor Mike has said this before and it kind of clicked. I'm like, oh yeah, it's kind of like giving definition to stuff. Um, most white people think as individuals. Yep. We don't think in community. Uh, and most black people think in community. And not as individuals. Mm-hmm. So when we hear stuff like white people are racist, well, not me. <laughs> like, because I don't think as a, I don't, I don't think in that as a whole. I think mm-hmm. in, as like when I, when I hear somebody say, um, well, you just have privilege. Well, I don't understand what you mean. Like, uh, I understand some areas that I have privilege. Absolutely. Um, but just because I'm white doesn't. So there's just like this. Like we never, we don't, and I think that was part of the, in the very beginning, when we started having these conversations, not just us, but I think all over the, everywhere. Like I just, it's, it's weird to say, hey, my white brothers and sisters, it's just a weird thing to say because we don't say that to each other. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it like that. And I don't know if it's a, I don't know why. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we can unpack that. And anyway. Part two, part three, part four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to all my, yeah, see, when I say that, I, I'm thinking other white people are like, oh, my gosh. Just say to... Yeah, to all the people that look like me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I think the uh, the the biggest thing that, that clicked with me, and this is probably not going to click with everybody, but it's going to click with some people uh, to kind of help understand some of these definitions that have been thrown out, like white fragility and all this stuff, and uh, is that idea of uh, systemic racism the residual effects of systemic racism is still alive and in the hearts of people today. The, the effects of the laws that have been abolished but have been in place for many, many, many years to the, to the point of it's embedded into us as a culture, it is still residual, that we're still dealing with those residual effects today. And that's where a lot of this is coming from. That's where a lot of this, while we can point to a law and say, that law does not exist anymore, so what are you talking about? You have all the same uh, rights that I do, and you have all the same opportunities that I do. Well, that's not necessarily true. Absolutely. In some in some arenas, yes, it is true. Uh, we are all equal, but the residual effects of these laws has made it so that it, it is 10 times harder for a person of color to be able to do the same thing that a, that a white person yeah. can do. And, and I think people misunderstand. There's a difference between equality and equity. Yeah. People don't get that, you know. Um, we should talk about that, too. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a two-hour podcast. Yeah, we should. Like, <laughs> next week, we should talk about that because I think people grossly misunderstand. Like, those two words mean different things. To be equal yeah. and to be to have equity yeah. are very different. Yeah. Um. And that, and that's, and th- I think that's where, so once I started to grasp that, I, I was, a, then it was like, I was starting to, I was able to see all the injustice that was happening. I was no longer trying to pick apart every little thing that was happening that people were protesting about with mm-hmm. some kind of fact about why it's wrong. Because the truth is, I'm not a hundred percent right. And you're not a hundred percent right. And the, the white community is not 100% right. The black community is not 100% right. And how we deal with this stuff is not 100% right. Mm-hmm. Like you will always be able to pick apart why what they're doing is not right. 
but the th- what we have to do as believers and as and as as human beings, we have to be able to look through all that stuff to see well what is right about this, and call out the things that are wrong, but at the same time figure out why this is happening because it's not just because it's not just happening, and right. it, and it should it's not it, the, a lot of this stuff should be happening, mm. and so. Uh, but just because you find a single fault with it doesn't mean that it's wrong. So, and, and so that, that's kind of, that's where I was able to start to see where all the injustices are. When I started seeing that we are dealing with the residual effects of racism. Racism's still real. It's still here. Uh, I'm not saying that it's not. Uh, the, uh, the laws... Some of the laws have changed, but some of the laws are still here that still affect people of color. Our hearts still affect the way that we see people and the way that we operate in our cultures. Our country is ran by people who grew up in legalized segregation and grew up in this stuff. So yes, the stuff is still here and is still real. Just because there's not a law about it doesn't mean that it's everything's fair game now. Yeah. Once I started seeing that, things started to click and I'm like, Okay, I get it now. I get, I get a lot more than I did before. Good, good. So that's it to all my white brothers and <laughs> sisters. <laughs> well, you know, on that note, I, I'm I'm thankful that we had this conversation today. You know, and I want to thank everyone who who tuned in. You know, of course, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Always Epic Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Um, there's a lot of other things you could follow on Twitter too, but follow us, right? Yeah, do it. Um, at Always Epic Cast and hashtag Always Epic. And, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on all the major outlets and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and all those great things. Uh, but we're really excited that y'all tuned in. You know, we are going to continue to have these conversations. So yeah. just get people prepared. I think the world. The world is having this conversation, and it would be um, we'd be remiss if we didn't um, if we talk about talking about God, life, and the church. Like this is this is a part of where we are in our culture. So yep. we ask you know guys to to hang in there with us and um, let us know. You know, hop in our our comment box, DM us, let us know if there are questions. Um, if there are questions that you want Jamie and I to address, you know, if you're he- hearing us share something, you know, send it to us. Um, you know, we're open to being able to address whatever and. Hopefully, you know, we'll think about maybe inviting some other people. This would be a great season. There's some other really powerful voices. Yeah. Um, we both could, you know, use some more learning. And um, at least, I, admittedly, I'll say that. I think you, you can say it for yourself. I need. I, I think I've already said it. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. I was trying to be politically correct. Um, but anyways, hey, guys, we uh, really appreciate you. Um, we're going to be praying for, for all of our listeners. And I know I will be. And you all pray for us. So with that, we's out. Bye. Bye.